You have to identify to do what's best for the homeowner, regardless of the price. If, if I'm in a, in a single wide trailer and their ductwork is falling apart under the home, it's going to cost some money to, to replace that. The best thing for them might be the most expensive thing. And so if you're not doing the best thing for them because you think it's expensive, you're doing them a disservice. Um, I got to the point where uh, I would, in the process of the presentation, say, listen, we're going to be your most expensive quilt and we're worth it. Here's why. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you here again. And man, do we have a great show in store for you. This time, we are focusing on selling out of your own wallet or not selling out of your own wallet. Depends what type of wallet you have, I guess. But uh, really excited to welcome Andrew Dobbins on the show today. And we're going to have some great topics about expanding that little thing up in your head that is called a glass ceiling. And uh, we can get into what that means. But first, Brian, let's take a look at a quote for this episode. Learn to ask for what you want. The worst people can do is not give you what you ask for, which is precisely where you were before you asked. Man, that's, that's, that's one nope, of those. Wait, Peter McWilliams. Okay, there. Not Peter Peter McGriffin. Peter Griffin. <laughs> nope, not the animated guy that doesn't exist from Family Guy. Not him. Uh, I, I tell you what, the quote kind of reminds me of our episode last week, which we don't often do this, but, um, man, I thought last week's episode was excellent. Uh, go for no. Yes. Yes. Great stuff. So good. And and that quote there again is, and no, we don't about, usually do this where we think one of our episodes is excellent. You're right. Nate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's because we think they're all excellent, right? Yeah. But that was a really good one. And it was, it's funny to me how well it ties into this episode and it, and um, what we want to talk about with Andrew, like shopping out of your own wallet, is essentially not presenting something because you're pretty sure it's going to be a no. What does shopping out of your wallet mean? It means I can't afford this particular upgrade or system or what have you. Therefore, I am not going to present it because I assume if I can't buy it, nobody else can. Right. Yeah, and and the uh, the concept of going for no it lines right up with that glass ceiling. So if you haven't if you have never heard of the idea of what a glass ceiling is, basically, it, uh, assume that you would be trying to like climb a ladder, and you get up a couple of rungs, and all of a sudden your head hits something, and you look up, and you don't see anything, and so you you cl- try to climb it again, boom, you hit it again, right? So a glass ceiling is supposed to mean like it there is something preventing you from getting to the next level. But because it's glass, you can't see it. You're seeing right through it, right? So um, the idea of this episode is to make you aware that you may have a glass ceiling and then help you shatter that glass ceiling so that you can get to the next level. Well done on the explanation there, buddy. Let me go queue up here. And our studio audience found that uh, particularly engaging. Yeah, thanks, guys. Can you guys 
keep it down a little bit. Yeah, We're we trying to finish the intro here. Appreciate it. Uh, but the glass ceiling thing does ring true. And uh, what we're talking about here is basically, well, I'll ask straight up, what is the largest sale that you have ever sold to one person? Brian Burton. Mm, what was I selling? Well, I, uh, let's, let's keep it in the trades. Okay. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I would say it was probably under $20,000. Right, $20,000. Not sure I ever broke that glass ceiling. The glass ceiling. Okay, so the glass ceiling, to, to bring that into a real illustration. So, Brian, do you think you could ever sell trade work, like plumbing, HVAC, or electrical, in excess of $20,000? Sure. Okay. What about in excess of $50,000? Yes. A hundred thousand dollars. Ooh, it's getting <laughs> steep, buddy. Right. I don't know, man. Not in my wallet. You know what I mean? And that is the point, right? Not in my wallet. So I'm really excited to interview Andrew today and to ask him about these concepts because one thing that does creep into all of our minds um, is my own wallet. Meaning, well, I wouldn't buy that. I can't even afford that. Yeah, and that's and that's a double. I mean, it's it's more than just that. A lot of times, it's Probably more than I can't afford that or wouldn't pay that. Therefore, I won't present it. More times than that, it's, you don't look like somebody who could afford this. It certainly happens. My bed's twice the size of that one. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I can't afford this. My work truck looks nicer than their uh, commuter. <laughs> yeah, you throw, your, you throw your shoe covers on to protect your boots from their floor. Ooh. And you immediately think, why would they get the creme de la creme water treatment system right they have crappy carpet they can't even afford new carpet or it's like i don't know some guys are like elaborate car guys and i'm really not i'm i drive a 2015 ford edge could i afford a nicer car for for sure um do I really, I just don't care that much about the ride. I, I don't know why I can't make myself. <laughs> it's a tough one for me because it's like a, it's like a big deal to even people in my circle, you know? Yeah. But, but when they pull up to your driveway and see that riding lawnmower, they're yeah, like, this up. guy's got bank. Well, right? Shoot. I got a, I got a golf cart. That's probably worth <laughs> as much as the, the Ford edge I'm driving. Yeah, that actually matters to me. I like dragging my girls around in the snow on sleds with the golf cart. I saw my, that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Posted that one on Facebook. I run my, I got a Rhodesian Ridgeback, which is like a lion hunter dog. That just sounds like a rich dog right there. Yeah. A Rhodesian rich, what Ridgeback? Ridgeback. Yeah. They have a strip of fur going down the, their back that is backwards. It grows backwards. Naturally. Sleeps on a bed of money. Not in my house. No. We'd be spending that, that doggy bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, but they're, they're South African dogs and they're bred literally to hunt lions. Um, and they need miles of just outright running a day. And let me tell you who's not running miles a day beside a dog. Brian Burton. Um, so the golf cart lets me silently let him run because that thing is very quiet. I don't know what it tops out at 20 miles an hour or something. The dog. No, the dog can actually run 30. This thing's ridiculous. It, I'm going 20 in a golf cart, and he is pulling my my shoulder out. This is a 105-pound, sleek, muscular dog Goodness that is sakes. pulling my arm out of socket because the golf cart won't go fast enough for him. 
So, yeah, I'm going to have to figure something else out. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's a battery-operated cart, so it makes zero noise, you know. And right. It's, it's nice so I don't wake the neighbors up. you have to upgrade to the four-wheeler here before too long. Four-wheelers are loud, man. That's right. Yeah, we had a we had a Razor Polaris side-by-side uh, -side that, that I could have run them with. That thing would be like 35. Tesla. Yes. I'm sure they're going to come up with an off-road vehicle here shortly, <clears> so yeah. probably put that in the budget. Aren't they all off-road vehicles if you just drive them off-road? Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know that that's on the sticker as far as uh, recommended <laughs> uses, but sure. Man, did we get off base here. What I was saying about like the car, I don't really, if you pulled up to my house and looked at my car and assumed that that means that that equates to how much money I have or how good my credit is, or more importantly, how much I care about the air quality inside my home, you would be mistaken. Because I might have a 2015 car, despite being able to afford a nicer one. But I have the, the you know, top of the line I indoor air quality products on my, on my uh, HVAC system, so that my kids and my family breathe as clean air as possible in the home. And we don't have a tank style water heater; we have a tankless. But if you came to my house and judged what I can afford by my car. You would have never presented that tank list to me, right? That's not really shopping out of your wallet. It's more of a prejudging thing. You see that shag carpet that you were making fun of earlier, and you say, obviously, they can't afford, uh, you know, a, a whole home surge protector. But you might be very wrong because this person may not care at all about the floor that they walk on, but they may care a whole lot about protecting their, their expensive TV or whatever. Um. So prejudging, you know, judging by yourself what the client can afford or what that client might or might not care about is, is the exact same thing as shopping out of your own wallet. You are making the decision for the, for the client. And our job isn't to make decisions for clients. It's to find issues or present upgrades and let them make the decision. Exactly. Always. So yeah. should I present $100,000 in stuff to a client? If I have $100,000 worth of product that I think they'd benefit from, absolutely. And right. if they want it, they'll buy it. If they don't, they say no. We don't push. We don't twist arms. But get out of the way and don't do them the disservice of not presenting something to them. And certainly don't do them the disservice of not asking them to buy it. Because if you don't ask them to buy it, you're not giving them the opportunity to buy it. It's pretty rare that you just show something and people are like, give me one. If you don't offer them the opportunity to own it, it just might not come up. Whereas you say, for this much a month, we can do this for you. And they might actually say, oh, wow, suddenly I can afford that. And Yes, I want one. That makes a lot of sense, Brian. And I think that's what we're going to be focusing on with Andrew today. <clears throat> not just the eliminating the prejudge from your, uh, your interaction with the homeowner, but also eliminating your own thoughts in terms of what you should or should not offer to them. Uh, because of perhaps your own buying style. You know, I know, uh, for example, let's say I was buying a product off of Amazon. Amazon has actually begin, uh, begun um, listing like good, better, best in some of their uh, search selections, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, of course, Amazon does have my purchase history, so they may be recommending those based off of what they see in my credit card transactions uh, done in the past, but it, it is something that, um, we need to be considerate of in terms of what we would, what we would offer 
based upon our own buying habits versus what we should offer based upon what that client may need or may deserve to know about. And that's really what we want to be focusing on with this episode. Before we wrap up here and uh, bring Andrew on, we had a uh, little contest in our Facebook group, right? We, yeah. we took the old logo, the Waste No Day logo, and what was it? Six other ones. And put them in the group and said, let's everybody vote. And with 64 votes, uh, the old logo actually won. So I'm like, no kidding. yeah, it was funny because we, we, uh, hopefully our boss doesn't listen to this, but we paid, <laughs> what was that company? I don't remember, but we paid to have a contest started to have a bunch of people submit logos for the waste no day podcast. And we picked the six we thought was, were the best and then threw them in there with the original logo. So you had seven to choose from. Everyone who voted got entered into a raffle to win a Waste No Day Leatherman Skeletal uh, multi-tool knife thing. <clears throat> and one person in there made a comment about it that I thought was funny where he just said, yeah, all the logos look like Bob the Builder. And uh, we all got a chuckle out of that. Um, <laughs> but he actually texted me and uh, I, wanted to re- I wanted to read that text. He, he got me on Facebook and sent me a private message. He said, Hey, Brian, I was the goofball that made the comments on your logo logos. I actually have nothing to do with the service industry. I'm a graphic artist. I stumbled upon your show because I was listening to a personal trainer you had on. I found you and Nate to be very entertaining. I've been coming back ever since and find a lot of value in your show. If I ever had to do it over again, I'd go into a trade like carpentry or plumbing, my man. Didn't say HVAC or electrical. (laughs) I never had a dad or anyone to show me anything, so I've had to learn it all on my own, whether it came to changing my oil, simple home repairs, or yard work. I've always admired service repair people, and I like to pick their brain whenever I hire them. I always come away with value from your show. I listened to your last episode, downloaded the audio for Go For No. I'm thinking he said downloaded the audio book, Go For No and I'm already on my second listen. I was fooling around with the logo and came up with these for the heck of it. No hard feelings if you don't like them or don't want to use them, but just thought it was something fun to do. It's a little exercise for my brain. And he sent us five logos um, for free. He just designed them and and shot them our way and said, if we want to use them, use them. Uh, And I thought that was pretty cool. So, He's uh, just got his own little startup um, graphic design company. And, you know, I like, I like our fans. Nate and I made the decision not to allow sponsors on the podcast, despite being approached by them, what, weekly, probably? A couple <laughs> times a week sometimes. Um, we just say no thank you because we just feel like it takes away from what we're doing here. You know, we're not, we didn't do the podcast to make money off of it. Um, we just kind of want to give back to the industry. and Although we do accept donations. Yeah, donations of... Uh, uh, made out to the Send Nate Minnick to Disney World Fund, please. <laughs> you want to go to Disney World, bro? Sure, man. I got kids. You know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He's got very young kids. That would be an expensive trip. Um, but in this case, like I just thought it was really cool that he, that he just sent us some stuff. So I wanted to throw his name out there and give him a shout out. His name is 
It's either, and I apologize for butchering it either one way or the other, Mike Guillen or Mike Gien. Um, that's Mike G-U-I-L-L-E-N. Uh, pretty easy to find if you're looking for some graphic design. Hit the dude up. He did not pay us for, for this, but uh, I thought his gesture was really cool. So Appreciate that, Mike. Yeah, that was cool of you, bro. Very nice. Um, yeah, and that's that's another reason we do the podcast. I mean, not just for the trades. Uh, actually, that's all where we started it, but we have since learned over a course of time that uh, people outside of the trades do enjoy the messages that are heard here on a weekly basis and the concepts that we talk about. So always enjoy hearing uh, some feedback. And if you have more feedback like that, we'd sure love to hear from you either on Facebook or in the review section. We're always uh, appreciative of that. But for right now, we are appreciative of a new guest, Andrew Dobbins. And right now, we're going to put him in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Andrew Dobbins. He has been the owner of an HVAC and plumbing company since 2009, almost 20 years experience in the industry. He started selling HVAC systems in 2003. He continued to learn and grow that skill set over the next several years. And in 2020, only running 100 calls, he sold, get this, Brian, $3.5 million. All while, excuse me, all while also fulfilling the general manager and owner duties. Based on those numbers, if he ran a full sales schedule today, he would be selling over $8 million. He's also a Marine Corps veteran, a family man with four kids, and a friend of the show. Welcome, Andrew. Well, thank you. I appreciate you asking me to be on. Great to talk to you again, Andrew. You and I met in Florida at Gene Slade's event and got to hang out in a, I mean, it was a decent little shack. You know, I wasn't impressed. I don't know about you. Uh, a little 30,000 square feet, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 16 bathrooms, I think it was. I think it was that many and all master bathroom bedrooms along with the bowling alley and whatever else was there. Nice. Yeah, my first experience with the toilet that when you put your foot beside it, the the top, um, sorry. The it's, called a, it's called a bidet, bro. No, no. I've experienced <laughs> those. It, we call them drinking fountains. You, the the uh, cover raises off of it, right? And then uh, you do whatever you're going to do, and then you put your foot beside it again, and it flushes itself, and then the, the cover lowers down slowly. It was pretty cool. No way. Aside from, I, I bought I bought three of those from my house after that trip. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining uh, the time it, the co- cover doesn't open, and I'm just snatching this thing out as hard as I can and rolling it down the driveway because uh, working on that <laughs> seemed like it would have to be a nightmare from a plumbing standpoint. But yeah, it was cool. Had a had a bowling alley in there. Had a basketball court. What two two or three arcades, a movie theater, which was pretty fun. Um, yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. There's several kitchens and a pool, and yeah, yeah, it was a good time. It was good to meet you. It was good to hang out. And uh, Mike, uh, who was with me, one of our managers here, and I had a good time with you and a few of the other people we got to meet there. So it was um, it was uh, a big deal for us to get you on and talk about your story and uh, your business and how you came into the trades and then uh, cut to the chase and talk about presenting out of our own wallets. Yes. Awesome. Well, Andrew, uh, let's let's start with the basics, man. Um, 
where did you come from? What's your story? How'd you get into the trades? What are you doing now? Uh, get us up to speed. All right. Um, background. I grew up in the Bay Area um, and uh, and shortly after high school, went into the Marine Corps and got out, headed out to head out west to Tucson from Virginia where I was stationed. And, and really shortly after that, got into air conditioning. Um, I had I'd gotten into a sales job prior to that. And I was looking for something that could um, create more income and uh, just started looking around and, and one of them happened to be an AC company. And so um, I went in, interviewed and, and got the job there and ended up working there for about four years and uh, learning a lot. Uh, then going to another company and learning more on the engineering side, heat load calculations, duct design, um, which they had not taught me on, at the first company. And then I, I started a business with a partner. Um, he did the, in, you know, basically we had opposite skill sets. I, I um, am not a technician. I'm not a plumber. I don't install units. I can engineer and, and the sales and marketing. And, and this other gentleman um, was on the, on the service side, service and install. And so we partnered up. Um, his family history was, was a company, keeping a company relatively small. He's third generation in the trade. And there was a dissonance when uh, we grew the company to, you know, from 1 million to 2 million and just really fast because I got very good on the sales side and there was just a dissonance there. So we ended up uh, parting ways and I started this company, Intelligent Design, at the end of 2011. And um, yeah, been going and growing from there. Started plumbing, I think, three or four years after, uh, after that and, uh, and then electrical division more recently. Oh, very nice. So you are all three major trades then. Yes, sir. Hey. Of course, the well, the, most of the electrical we do is not what you guys do. It's it's mostly on the solar end, and okay. then electrical panels or things like that, if need be, for the air conditioning side. Um, but I do have ambitions to have a real electrical division one day. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely, man. If you're if you're doing solar, it only makes sense to be talking about the panel while you're doing it. Yes, sir. Oh, very good. Uh, just curious, uh, the name Intelligent Design, what's the story behind that? So, my wife has really good ideas. And, uh, they so usually do. The, <laughs> <laughs> the idea behind the name, we had uh, a list of a whole bunch of different ones. She thought of, of that and um, saw how I go about uh, the estimate process and really the engineering and design. And, and um, a lot of our competitors were not doing that. And then combined with our faith, um, we're Christian and, uh, and we operate the company in that fashion. And so the idea of the, the dual meeting, intelligent design is the belief in a creator, and it's the scientific uh, backing of that. Um, and really, it's the argument against uh, the, the evolution standpoint. Very nice. I, I like that. And the intelligent design is certainly something that we need more of in the trades. Um, and I understand that when you get into heat load calcs and all those types of things, uh, you know, that only gets ratcheted up. Plus you have the whole concept of laying out pipes and how that all goes. So there's, there's a lot of that that is really desired and needed in the trades. And so I, I like that concept. Um, well, appreciate the background there. So we want to jump into kind of where you're at today. So are you focusing more on residential or commercial at this point? We're almost exclusively residential. We, uh, if, if a commercial job falls in our lap, we'll, uh, you know, a lot of times we turn it down, but for the right job, we'll take it. Sure. So mostly residential. Right. So that means that you are inevitably dealing with a homeowner. Yes, sir. 
all the time. All right. Lots and lots of them. And our topic, at least the the focus point that we're starting off here on, is the concept of selling out of your own wallet. So set that up for us. What what does that mean? Well, typically, if if you're selling out of your own wallet, what, what that means is you have a certain lifestyle you're accustomed to, a certain income you're accustomed to based on, you know, what you can afford, and you are presenting the price, and, and typically you have um, – you, you cringe or wince if the price is really high and, and you're, you're feeling for that person. But maybe you're not offering them things that they would buy because they can afford it and, and you wouldn't have purchased it. Right. You're, you're effectively disqualifying. Probably better than shopping out of your own wallet is disqualifying out of your own wallet or savings account yeah. or checking account, which is to say. Yeah, you're, you're prejudging them um, on what they would do based on what you would do. And I, a really good example is when I was um, first getting started, it, probably in the first year, I, uh, we were a Lennox dealer and I was presenting the different options and we, they bought a unit. I don't remember which unit, um, but afterward, it was probably six months later, I had um, an angry phone call from the customer and the technician had gone out and um, had, had talked about, you know, hey, you've got, we've got some dust going on, your filter is not effective and and the customer found out that there was this thing, the Lennox Pure Air, uh, but it could no longer be added because it's a it's a ten to eleven inch base with the the lights, the catalyst, and the media, and they were torqued at me because they would have bought it and I didn't even offer it to them because yeah. I prejudged that based on my wallet. Yeah, wow. So I never made that mistake again. Now I show customers everything, and I the language that I use is I say, listen, I'm I'm not here to to just try and I'm here to serve you and, and love you as, as part of our community of customers. And I'm going to present you with everything that I see, if that's okay with you. And I'm going to lay it out like a buffet. And if, if you go to a buffet and you get French fries and there's a server that comes over with offers you some ketchup, you're, they're not mad at you when you say no to the ketchup. They're like, cool, you don't want ketchup with the French fries. I don't care. If you want lobster or crab legs or whatever, you grab what you want off the buffet. And then, you know, I'm not going to be mad, yes or no, but I am going to show you everything um, that's available to you. That's my job. Yeah, the best way to do it, it from, from our perspective in the trades, the best way to do it is, I don't know, whatever you're presenting, we'll say plumbers. You know, no particular reason, not because they're better people or anything, certainly. But we'll say, <laughs> we'll say we're talking plumbers. Um, and if you're going to, say, present a water heater, uh, do not present based on any factor except your, say, whatever, however many options you train your people to, to present. Say it's three options. You, you present good, better, best. If it's a 40-gallon chimney vent water heater, you present standard package, your premier package or what have you, and a tankless package. And you present all three of those options to everyone, no matter where they live or, you know, what type of residence it is or what kind of car they drive. And you can remove the anxiety you would feel about presenting to someone that you don't think has the money or that regardless of how you feel about whether you could afford this option or not, if you always present the good, better, best option, it takes who you're talking to out of it. It completely removes that aspect of it. So no matter who I'm speaking to, what I think they can afford, no matter what I would personally buy or not, here are the three options. 
That's what I do every single call I go to. So I don't have to worry about that stuff. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really important to start with questions. Um, and as you, as you identify what's going on in the system or in the plumbing systems and the different things that are important to the homeowner, um, when they, when they present a pain, you can say, okay, well, I can resolve that for you within the design of what we're doing. And uh, I'll present you with that as an option. And then every time you say that throughout the process, you, you're getting permission or, you know, would, would it be okay if I um, present a solution for that challenge? Sure. And then you just have all of the different solutions at the end. And it's, yeah, you're just showing them all the options and letting them pick. All right. So I, I like the concept and I think it is certainly applicable to um, all of us. Where would you say you see the most struggle with this? Is, is this harder to overcome for brand new people just getting into the trades or is this something that you see in kind of the, the 10 year, 20 year veterans? I see it in both depending on where they've been. Um, you have some veterans that uh, have been working, working for a company on an hourly basis or, uh, it, they, they just, you know, maybe they were working for a warranty company. They're there to do the minimum. So you can, you can definitely see it in the, in the newcomers for sure. But some of the, the old timers as well, if they have not been trained properly. And so when I, when I first got started, it, it happens, um, you know, over 20 years I've been doing this. And when, when I first got started, the systems cost a lot less than they do today. And so as we, um, have the price increase, especially in the last couple of years, how much the costs have gone up. It's, it's important to just, you know, say, listen, this is, this is where it's at. And um, as you open your mind to um, offering more and the tickets get larger, uh, you see people start buying it. Initially, you even have a resistance to that change and that mindset. But as people start doing it, um, it becomes easier. And so my, when I first started, it was just air conditioners, and then it was air conditioners and purification. Then it was air conditioners and purification and, and duct cleaning and sealing, and uh, and now variable speed compressors, and we have solar-powered air conditioners and solar. And so our average tickets compared to most, you wouldn't think that someone in a single wide trailer would spend $60,000, but they do all the time. Um, I was at a house last week where 1,600-square-foot house uh, they, the couple makes, I think, 39000 a year, and they, they financed $54,000. And that's, that's, that's wow. not me <laughs> there selling it. I'm just, I'm like, here's the numbers, here's the math, here's the financing. Um, and they wanted to buy solar and convert from, you guys probably don't have these, but evaporative coolers um, are used in the, in the drier climate. They wanted to convert from a, a swamp cooler or evaporative cooler over to AC and solar. And right. so that's what we did for him. That's so funny. I was talking to one of our plumbers uh, just yesterday and he was, he was, um, we're offering a financial, a financial class here for all of our employees. So basically a financial freedom boot camp. Um, we're not just all about offering high dollar opportunities, but also now we're trying to develop the other end of that funnel where it's like, okay, what are we going to do with the money that you actually make? But anyways, we were, we were discussing that and uh, the topic did come up. We have a, a local golf community here that's, you know, what I would say a very high-end gated community uh, golf course built around the houses. Very, very nice. And he's like, man, I've, I've been in there and I've seen houses and these people fail financing, you know, 600, 700, yep. 800,000 dollar house and they fail financing. 
And then I go to, I go to a row home and, uh, you know, there's a, a Honda Accord por- parked out in front and, uh, they get approved for $50,000. And he, he, you know, it's just one of those things like you never know, you never know what's going on and evidence can be deceiving. So what can we do in terms of beginning to train ourselves away from that, Andrew? Like how, how do we, how do we avoid the natural tendency to do that prejudgment? You have to identify to do what's best for the homeowner, regardless of the price. If, if I'm in a, in a single wide trailer and their ductwork is falling apart under the home, it's going to cost some money to, to replace that. But the right thing for them is not to be breathing the insulation from under their home and have hack rats and, and all the, all the stuff. If, if they have mold in their ductwork and you're in Florida, the best thing for them might be the most expensive thing. And so if you're not doing the best thing for them because you think it's expensive, you're doing them a disservice. And the next guy that comes in, they might choose to go with them instead because they thought enough of them to give them all of the options and protect their health and their comfort um, for on the plumbing side, you know, the long term. If, if someone is staying in their home long term, they view things very differently than if they're selling the house or flipping it. That's true. And so... If I find out, it's one of the main questions that I ask when I'm going in is, is this your forever home? Are you, how long do you plan on staying here? Is it going to be two years, five years, 10 years? And a lot of people won't know, but um, they don't want to do the cheap thing that costs them the most. That happens all the time. If you, uh, you know, one of the phrases is penny, penny wise and pound foolish. It's a British term uh, because the pounds are the, are their money. Right. And so the way that uh, if you ever listen to Zig Ziglar, he, he explains it is um, it's, it's unwise to pay too much, but it's worse to pay too little because the thing you bought may be incapable of doing what you bought it to do. And then you have to buy the expensive thing anyway, in addition to the cheap thing. Right. Yeah. I remember so, uh, we had Gene Slade in here a couple months ago and he, he used the phrase who can afford to buy cheap things. Only rich yeah. people, only rich people only because rich people. that's right. They can afford to replace it when it breaks and keep buy it over and over, buy again. it over and over again. And I, I, that really rung, rung true with me. I'm like, huh, that's, that's actually pretty interesting. Yep. So uh, when, it, and I assume that's kind of the concept you're talking about there, you know, in, in terms of people invest where they want to get long-term return on their money or their, uh, their equipment or, or whatever. So uh, that's certainly a big part of what we need to do when we walked up the home, avoiding that prejudgment and, and basically asking some of those questions. So you, you asked the question, is this your forever home? Do you, do you recommend any other types of questions that help kind of understand from the client, their willingness to invest high or low? Um, so not necessarily uh, invest high or low because some, you know, they're, they, some of the wealthiest people are the cheapest. And so I, I, a lot of times would rather go into a, a middle-class home than a, you know, than a two, $3 million home because the, just the, the mindset is different. So, um, one of the questions I really like to ask is what they do for a living. Not, not because it tells me how much they're going to spend, just because it helps me understand their thought process. We have a lot of engineers in Tucson and I like to know if they're an engineer. 
Are they working for Raytheon? Are they designing rockets or are they an artist? <laughs> Lucky <Because> you. <laughs> if they're an artist versus a, an engineer, I'm going to, I'm going to treat that very differently. If I have a grandma versus a, uh, a 40 year old man engineer, completely different conversation. And, and I will go. Yeah. Uh, one's going to be fun. <laughs> right. Right. Love talking to uh, grandma. I'm going to pass on the engineer probably. I actually like the reverse because if you have the knowledge, so I can go and I can go Sesame Street style, right, for grandma and go super nice and just kind of do that whole process. Or with the engineer, we we are taught to, if you're going to have the best experience to, to usually not use technical language. Well, with a high-level engineer, I throw in some very technical language um, because he's very knowledgeable and I want to um, – want to catch him saying i don't understand that and then say oh i apologize let me let me reiterate that and, and teach you about that do you know what fear is do you know what and i'll do you know about the two-stage compressor do you know about this and a lot of times you know you're walking into a situation where they're like i want to i want a two-stage 16 tier train four times you say okay how did you come to that conclusion and then if you can ask the right questions and get them to say i don't know Oh, okay. I'll help you with that, and then you can you can guide them in a process. But if so they're just telling you everything, go uh, ahead. Uh, in turn, and and excuse me. In terms of paradigm, what is it what is it doing for the relationship between you and the engineer when you say something he doesn't understand, and he tells you he doesn't understand, and you ask permission to explain it, and then he or she grants you that permission? Is it doing something for the relationship that you're building there? Yeah. So when there's there's different relationships you want to create with different people i want to be very friendly with the the artist and not be technical with the engineer i'm i'm going to um be technical to create a confidence that i know what i'm doing and i am the expert in my field um, even though he might be the expert in creating rockets or whatever he's engineering i'm the expert here and um and i i need him to respect that so that i can educate him otherwise he's fighting me on everything i'm trying to teach him and so if I can, if I can get it to where he's not controlling everything and saying, I want this and just do this and, and actually asking me to help them, I'm there to help and serve them. But I can't do that if they're just bossing me around telling me because they're, they're posturing everything they know. And so uh, if I can get them to a position where I can educate them and help them out, then it, it's much better for when I recommend things. So it is, it, it, you're saying it is easier for the, engineer type when you can shift that paradigm to maybe you teacher and him student. That's right. As opposed to the other way around, which is naturally kind of how they go about a presentation yeah. for the most part, because he's, you know, at least in the last 24 hours, when you have an engineer type, you can assume that person has done more research in the last 24 hours than you have. That's for sure. Yeah. So when I, a story about when I, when I first got started, um, it's probably a couple of years in, uh, but it stuck with me. And you got to imagine me fresh out of the Marine Corps. I'm, you know, 23 years old and I'm walking into a house with a high level engineer and uh, trying to sell him a, an air conditioner. And at the end of the appointment, what he said is he said, Hey, I want to, I want to apologize to you. When you walked in, what I thought is what can this young punk kid teach me about anything? Um, and before I left, he's actually asking me where I got my engineering degree. 
And I, I flipped that switch on purpose because I felt it. I felt it in the beginning that I needed to gain his respect by, by going technical. Um, but it's only with that specific pe- people group that I do that. If it's, um, if it's a, a high level, like retired CEO or an engineer or a doctor, um, doctors not as much, but you've, you've got to get them to a position where they allow you to, um, to teach them and, and help them in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So we've, we focused on that here as well, kind of dealing with the disc profiles or your, um, your other personality type tests where you're identifying is this, you know, a high D like a driver, somebody who's going to be short and sweet to the point, just tell me the bottom, you know, the yeah. bottom dollar or the analyst, the yep. analyst, uh, you know, you also have the, uh, like the people person who's more about what everybody else is doing. They're more group mentality, more like, Hey, what did my neighbors do? What do relationship? You, yeah. What do you recommend? And then of course you have, yeah. um, yeah, you just have, uh, like the, the more fun, just like to have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Those types of people as well. And so that, that's really important. And I'm sure that absolutely, uh, changes your, your perspective and your presentation, kind of like what you were saying, which is why I really like to know what they do for a living, because it could tell me their disc profile. So if I'm dealing with the, you know, the doctor, probably a D engineer, a C, maybe CD CEO is a D, right? I've got, you know, a, a party planner, probably going to be an I. So just you watch for that. And it, every, every question gives me clues to how to communicate better with the, the homeowner. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, kind of using the uh, wallet analogy there, <clears throat> you know, what, what is in your wallet? Well, I think one of those things is also your, your identification, right? And that's literally your driver's license or whatever card you're carrying. But how does how does your own your own mental image of yourself, your own self belief, your own self confidence, your own who I am, this is who I am, how does that um, or, or how does that matter? How does that relate to you walking into the home of a stranger? Yeah, it it matters a lot. Um, confidence builds trust in the homeowner. Um, people don't always from buy from people they like. They, sometimes they buy from people they don't like, but they have confidence and trust in them because they, they know what they're doing. So if you are wavering on that um, and you don't, one, you need to know your craft. If it's electrical or, or whatever it is, you really need to study and, and know um, everything about that. But the, the confidence and posture that you bring, it, uh, it guides the conversation and allows them to either question what you're saying and not have trust or, or have trust in it. So your your subconscious mind is is really the the base of your computer operations. What what you do and what you choose to do is uh, is very small amount of your, your brain. So if you can program your brain, the subconscious, to act out the operating system, like as an example. So I'm going to recommend a book right now, um, just because it's it's very pertinent, uh, and it's it is read and recommended by just about every high level, anything you can think of uh, sports figure, coach, CEO, uh, it's called psycho cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. I think it's a hundred year old book, um, but it gives you the, the reason first practical application on how to program your subconscious mind to then act out the operations that you want to, especially if you're not accomplishing the, the goals in your life, there's a reason and, um, and the only challenge that you have is between your ears. We all can accomplish whatever we want. Um, so 
the, the process that I, I go through, it, it comes from the book. Uh, before I go into a call, I'll pull around the corner and I'll sit in my car, music off. And uh, the, the practical application is relaxing each muscle in the body, imagining a some scene that you're going to get for yourself. For me, it's um, a particular chair and, um, and a mirror on the wall looking out a window and uh, the windows cracked and I can hear the ocean. And then I am with that, my, all of my muscles relaxed and my mind um, at ease. I'm then programming. I am confident. I'm imagining walking through the entire process, the things that I'm going to say at the door. I'm going to knock on the door with a happy knock. I'm going to back up. I'm going to turn at a 45 degree angle. Um, I'm going to look away from them. When they open the door, I'm going to turn and smile. Hi, how you doing? I'm going to find something that I can sincerely compliment going in, say who I am, what I'm there for. And then uh, for me, it's, it's go to the kitchen table for, for a sales call. And, and we're going to walk through that, that whole process. And mentally, I'm going to walk through to the conclusion, watching them sign the document, uh, agreeing to move forward, like the, the whole process. And as initially, it takes longer. But uh, once you once you start getting this practice in place, it moves faster because it comes a habit. And I will at when I'm when I'm done programming that I will snap my fingers and I will go to the call. And I have an extremely high average ticket and closing ratio. And I'm, I'm program, programming my subconscious mind to operate that out. And it's amazing how many times the call flows exactly how I imagined it. Now, very good, Andrew. How long did it take you to figure out that's what you needed to do to make yourself more successful? Like, give us an illustration of what you were like before you did that and how those calls typically came out. So when I when I first got started, um, I was actually I think it was within four months fired. So I wasn't doing too hot. Um, they ended up we had uh, I started in February and uh, for whatever reason that July back in 2003 was not hot. We were dead on calls. I was a new man on the totem pole and and they were giving giving the calls to the other guys because I just wasn't there yet. Um, when they called me back, I think it was four or five months later, um, and said, Hey, you know, we're getting busy again. We, we want you back. Uh, I just, I started to really learn and study and grow, you know, reading, uh, the different sales books. I would spend a lot of time back then in, in borders or bookmans, um, to, to read up on, on the sales process and programming the mind and everything. And now, you know, now we're talking 20 years later. But I, I have constantly worked on myself for growth. And I know that if I, if I went full time in sales, based on, I, I don't do very many sales calls anymore, but based on the numbers versus what, if I were to do it full time, I would probably close around 8 million a year by myself. Um, so it, yeah. I mean, it was, it wasn't last year. The year before last, they took 100 calls and sold 3.5 million out of 100 calls. Man. Um, I've yeah, gone I'm taking on. on that, Brian. <laughs> I have my calculator. Nate. <laughs> I, I think off, it's thirty five thousand. There it is. It was that year. Um, this year, I've been on four calls total. I've sold four hundred thousand on four calls. I can do um, that math now, pretty I quick. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundreds um, of dollars. Now, not all of them were that number. <laughs> uh, we weren't all a hundred. Some one was fifty four. One was ninety two. 
and then the others were higher. So nice. it now you got to take that with a grain of salt because I have solar and air conditioning and a solar powered AC. We have sun track. We have all the purification. We have a lot of options. Right. right? So but that's the point by itself. That's yeah. the point. I mean, so, like you just sold and this is a house, right? You're selling to a homeowner. Yes. Six figures to a homeowner. All day. That's, that's the whole point. How, when's the last time for the listening audience, when's the last time that you walked up to a house and you even thought the idea, the fantasy even entered your mind that they could spend six figures with you today? Dude, the vast majority of service techs are not even thinking five figures. The vast majority of service techs will will not close a job for over $9,999 in their entire career. Right. It's, it's a fact. They just don't they don't go for for numbers that high. And and you really should. I mean, not necessarily. They don't even think about the number, but the offer, like what you present to, to the homeowner that you're fortunate enough to go serve today instead of being at home on the couch wishing you had work like so many people are. The, the idea is to say, here, here's everything we have to offer that could benefit your home, that could make you enjoy your home more. So why, why would you not present it? When I say present it, just bring it up. Don't like hard sell it or anything and don't think about the dollar amount, but go, do you realize that our, co- that our company, me as a tech, I could provide you with this, 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 this. Boom, here's everything we could offer that would make your electrical, plumbing, HVAC experience better in your home that you could live more comfortably. Yeah. Imagine if you're a technician listening to this, imagine you, you go into a home and you identify that you, there's a whole bunch of dust on the blower motor and inside the cabinet and you've got some, some mold on the coil. Uh, you know that 30 to 40% duct loss is, uh, as the average in 93% of homes in America where you're pulling in, all kinds of stuff from the cavity space. If it's, if it's insulation, fiberglass is cancer-causing. You have rat feces, all kinds of health negatives of that, along with pulling in hot, hot moisture, uh, which can then be a breeding ground for mold. You have all of these things. You just have to identify it and present it to the homeowner if it's there. But if 93% of homes are losing 30 to 40% of their, their efficiency due to ductwork, you should probably be checking it every time. Um, and so if, if you're going in and you're not doing a full inspection, you're, you're not only hurting yourself and the company, you're, you're hurting the customer because they might fix it if you present it. But if you, one of the tools that we use is, is a blower door. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Um, but, um, we were certified BPI certified for building analysis and AC heat pump. And one of the tools is the blower door. When you use that, you go and you, you say, listen, I, I'm seeing some things. Um, I'm going to run a quick test. You don't ask for permission. You just say, listen, part of, part of my job is to identify things. I'm seeing some things in the system. I want to run a quick test. You go out to the van, grab the blower door and set it up. And then you take one of the registers off in the house. You, you turn the fan on. It starts creating negative pressure in the house. And you go up with a, one of those long barbecue lighters and you put it in front of the register and light it. And if it's blowing backwards, you show the homeowner. That's it. You've got you've got typically gaps between the sheet metal, uh, sheet metal boot box and the drywall. You've probably got air coming out through the venting. And and if your company offers AeroSeal, there you go. There's a it, it, duct cleaning and sealing. There's a forty five hundred dollar ticket right there. 
Bingo. Now you've got uh, the different purification options. You've got the UV lights if there's if there's stuff going on within the system. You've got the bypass HEPA. You've got the the Wii's electromagnetic the, the Ranger from Dynamic, and you start adding these things in, and you just present here's here's all of the different options and what they do, and and why you want them, and you easily easily walk out with a ten thousand dollar ticket. Uh, we do energy audits, and we will go into an energy audit and walk out with no unit. Uh, let's say it's a two system house, easily twenty five grand on a two system house. Double clean and aero seal and purification options by themselves. Forget all the. I mean, you got surge protection. You've got so many other things at your at your dispense. And yeah, if you're afraid of a ten thousand dollar ticket, you're missing the boat. All right, Andrew. Because you can finance that for one hundred and sixteen bucks a month. Yeah, for ten grand. Right. Okay. So, real world question for you here: uh, what What was the biggest ticket you've sold? Uh, two hundred and fifty six thousand to a homeowner. Homeowner. Yeah. All right. It was um, it was a lot of solar. It was uh, thirty seven thousand watts of solar with five batteries, uh, two variable speed air conditioners with uh, cleaning and sealing of the ductwork, and then we had some some small amount of plumbing work on there as well. Sheesh. Okay. Would Andrew Dobbins spend two hundred and fifty six thousand dollars on HVAC and plumbing home improvements? No, not a chance. Not a chance. That's a lot of money. <laughs> it is a like, lot of man, money. I look at that and I'm like, I man, but the guy, the guy had it. He, um, he said, he literally said to me, I don't care about the cost. I'm going green and I'm going to do my part for the planet. Okay. That's not, I am, that's not my position, right? I'm going to do it if it's financially beneficial and I save more than I'm spending. All right. So when you were, All, when you were prepping the ahead. invoice, uh, the estimate for this gentleman, and you got down to the bottom and you saw that the number started with a two and had uh, five, six, and zero, zero, zero after it. Did you do a gut check on yourself? Be honest here. I'm going to think back on, on that one. I probably did, yeah, but I didn't act like it. So how, uh, how do you, that's what I'm saying. How do you overcome that? I mean, listen, I'm, I'm guessing... Everybody in our listening audience is thinking $256,000. Ain't no way. Never happened. Never, never seen that. I, I wouldn't even put the numbers on the paper. So how did you get to the place where you could mentally jump over the hurdle that this is a quarter of a million dollars that I would absolutely never spend, but I'm going to show this to a client. How did you get there? So, I mean, you're there for the hours, right? You're, you're asking questions. We, we sell a mana, so I'm, I'm going over the, the value proposition of the lifetime unit replacement. Uh, we offer a 10-year part and labor warranty, and, and I'm, I'm going through everything with him before price. So every item is already closed before he sees the total. I go through the proposal line by line, and I say, are you you're sure you want the, the variable speed compressor? with the lifetime unit replacing, you want the best of the best here, and just line by line by line all the way through, getting getting trial close after trial close. And by the time we get to the end, it's like, okay, well, it sounds like everything is exactly how you want it. Um, and you just assume the close. Let's, let's get this moving for you. And in this, in this guy's case, he was not financing anything. He was like, I'm, I'm going to pay for this. I need to liquidate some, some investment accounts to do this. 
I said, yeah, I understand. No problem. Um, <laughs> I'd have know, to sell and, my and, house. <laughs> <laughs> this particular guy made seven figures. Um, yeah. I know cause he, you know, when we were doing everything he told me, um, but yeah, I just, when, when you do the trial close line by line by line, and they're saying yes to everything. Okay. Well, it sounds like this is the package for you. And you, here it is. Sign right there. And he uh, didn't. He he was like, okay, I, I need to think about it. It's a lot of money. I'll get back to you. And um, and then I just said, well, are, I go through it again. I just say, are you sure you want this? Are you sure you want? And he says yes to everything. I said, well, it sounds like you already made your decision. We we just went through everything. You don't want to take anything away. Why don't we just get this going for you? Okay, great. And that was it. All right. So let me push back on you there a little bit. All right. Let's say that I'm, I'm a guy in the field listening to this and I'm like, all right, Andrew, I feel you. Uh, next time I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to push for a little bit more or I'm going to offer a little bit more and maybe I'll, I'll bump up against that five figure number. And, uh, the customer laughs me out of the house and now I have to, I have to, uh, you know, deal with that. Like, how do I, how do I handle the rejection of like, man, I tried it, Andrew, you know, I went for that bigger number and they looked at me and said, are you kidding me? Get out of here. Okay. So I would say if, if you got to the bottom and you have a number that's bigger than, than what they're hoping for, I would, I would ask you, did you go through each individual item and sell them on the value of that? And then um, ask them if that's okay on each item. Say, okay, we have, we have this, um, purification package. Here's what it does for you, um, and it's gonna it's gonna be thirty seven dollars a month on that. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. So you just close that item. That's a trial close, and then the next, and the next, and the next. So when you get down to the bottom, and it's a five figure, let's say it's ten grand at one hundred and sixteen dollars. Um, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. Well, you can get everything that you ever hoped or dreamed for for all of what we talked about for only one hundred and sixteen dollars. Um, why don't we get this started for you? I love it. And then they say, well, what's the total? Right. They're always going to ask that. What's the total? Oh, it's only, it's only 10 to get everything you, you were wanting to get on this. Um, well, that's too much. Okay. No problem. I'm, I'm just here to lay out the buffet and, and see what you want to get. What of these items should we take away to get down to, to your budget? And you go through one, let's go through these again, one by one. You want to keep this in or do you want me to take this away? And if I get any inkling of a wince on an item, I take it away for them. I say, listen, you can get this later. Let's say it's, um, you know, it's a air scrubber. Say, okay, let's take this piece out. That seems to be the only item that you're unsure about. You can always add that at the end of the job when I'm done doing all of the work. If you say, you know what, Andrew, I want you to put that in. I'll put it in right then. We'll just adjust the agreement. No problem. But for now, since you're unsure about it, Let's let's stick that on the shelf and let's go with the things that you're a hundred percent on. That sounds fair. Great. Let's get this going. Very good. Got to take away the stuff they're not sure about because that is going to prevent you from closing the whole deal. And uh, and so I I use I like to paint pictures for the customer. I say for for one moment let's just stick that on the shelf. And I and I will with my hand put my hand like I'm putting something up on the shelf. Set it aside. Now with the rest of this you're comfortable with everything um, and us and you'd like to move forward with this, right? Okay, great. Okay. So a question on that, Andrew, I mean, you said let's take away the things that they're not sure of. 
what what if what if I'm feeling unsure? Okay, so maybe this is my first time uh, presenting a little bit higher. Maybe I am putting a number on paper that I personally am struggling to afford. Like, you know, I would never spend this amount of money. Uh, is there a, um, a physiology, like a, a certain physical presence that I'm going to exhibit if I'm feeling uh, either not confident in the number or I'm myself and feeling awkward about how high it is? Like, am I going to do something differently with how I talk or, you know, kind of raise my voice? Like it's $10,000, you know, that, that type of thing. Right, like, right, how how right. do you overcome that if I'm already feeling like I would never spend this amount of money? Uh, I would say that you need to you need to use the practices to program your mind. Get the psycho cybernetic book uh, for one, and and then you practice and role play how you would do this with your peers, and have them reject you, and and challenge you before you you get in front of the homeowner and practice that. So have have scripts prepared and have have that process so practiced that it's um, it's fluid. I, I've had. A, a number of customers tell me over the years, like, man, you just have an answer for everything because every rebuttal that they had, I already had practiced. And I just be like, it just, it's not that I have an answer for everything. It's just, it makes sense to you. Right. And so everything that you're doing can be a practice event. And, and then about the product, you guys need to research uh, the products that you're selling and, and make sure that you're confident in it. If you wouldn't, if you wouldn't have it in your own home for the benefits, forget the price because you guys can get it for a lot cheaper than the, than the customer. But if you wouldn't have it yourself because you don't believe in it, you shouldn't be offering it as a matter of integrity. So if, if you're working for an owner that has a product, you need to have them sell you on why. Why should I, I be offering this to homeowners? There's a reason for surge protection. There's a reason for air purification and AeroSeal and all of those things I have in my own house. I don't offer things that I don't want myself. Forget the price because you're not there to judge the price. If the owners, it, it, the owner needs to determine the price based on the profit margin that they can eke out at the end of the year, and it's not what you think it is. It's it's a, a typically, I mean, most AC companies are are net below ten percent. Really good operations are netting ten to twenty percent of the total. That's not much compared to most industries. We would, we would be laughed off of Shark Tank if we presented that profit to them Right, right. with a business. I mean, really. Uh, you look at what a lot of these uh, t-shirt companies or whatever the sharks are investing into, and their margins are way larger. So if you're wincing at the price, that's not, that's not your call to determine the price. The, we need to determine it based on, on what we know needs to come out at the end of the year. Um, we actually do training here on uh, giving, giving our field staff an idea of where the pricing comes from and why. Um, but I like what Good. you said about get, getting with the, the boss to find out what this product does and why you should be offering it. <clears throat> Another thing we'll do here is, you know, your newer techs to the trade, people just getting through their apprenticeships, maybe just getting in their own trucks. Um, they, there can be a lot of them who are, you know, renting an apartment, still in mom's right. basement. Um you know, ha have three roommates in, in a house they're renting or something like that. They're not homeowners yet, uh, well on their way in the trade, but so they don't have a lot of these products. So one big thing we'll do right. here is talk about, or even season techs when they're, when they feel like their, their enthusiasm cup is dry. You know, Brian Tracy said, uh, the definition of selling is a transfer of enthusiasm or a transfer of energy. And when we, we talk about here, when somebody's in a, 
bit of a cold streak, their enthusiasm cup is dry. So what we'll talk about doing and what we'll do is start going through reviews of clients they've had who are ecstatic about this product or show new people that, that uh, review or even let them speak to a homeowner who left a great review about a product and let that refill their cup of enthusiasm or, you know, fill it for the first time when it's a product that they've never actually sold or used themselves. So best, best way to do it is let a customer talk about it. Yeah. Another way that I love what you said about Brian Tracy, another way that I've heard it is um, it's the successful transference of belief. So you have to have the belief first and, and you have to have the enthusiasm. Uh, and if you are not confident in what you're doing, uh, talk louder and faster and the customer will confuse the two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a good point, I mean, though, really, Brian, because... Uh, sorry to cut you off there, Andrew. It's a good point because a lot, it is true that a lot of, uh, a lot of the apprentices are coming, you know, to us at a, a young point in their career and there has not been a substantial amount of financial growth or, or wealth that they have. And so the tendency to, um, get shy, to shy away from larger numbers simply because there's no way I could even afford half of this is absolutely there. But I'm curious like, have you seen the opposite of that occur where the ignorance level of not having, uh, you know, all those kind of bad habits or bad perspectives gained over the years, have you seen success with like young apprentices coming out of the field that just present whatever number because it, it's, it's new to them? Absolutely. You, uh, and, and I'm, I'm an example of that coming in and, and just not knowing anything fresh out of the Marine Corps, did a little bit of sales and, and coming into a, a job where we were the highest price in town uh, at the time, even even 20 years ago. And so I, I think that set a really good precedence for me because people still bought a lot from us, even though we were the highest price. And and I didn't know we were the highest price. This was just our pricing. Right. Yeah. And then, and then inevitably what happens is that ignorance turns into a little bit of education and then you start shying away, realizing like, oh man, wow, we're, uh, we're way high in the market. Now you start getting shy about it. What, what I would do in, in that process, I was always competed on marketed leads. So they'd have two, three, four estimates on, on replacement systems. Um, I got to the point where uh, I would, in the process of the presentation, say, listen, we're going to be your most expensive quote and we're worth it. Here's why. And then I would present on why we're worth the extra money. Right. Well, so Andrew, I, I know another thing that uh, inevitably is going to come up is the efficiency, the, is the money worth it? Right. So whenever somebody's making a, a buying decision, I'm sure there's a number of factors that go into it, such as, you know, how long is the product going to last? What's the quality of the product? What's the support level? What's the warranty? What, you know, what is, uh, is it actually going to do what I want it to do? What are the bells and whistles, et cetera? And one of the biggest things sure. that people are willing to spend money on is efficiency. Now, I know you have a little bit of experience with some products that can bring efficiency. And I think one of those is called thermal cork. So help, help us understand what that is and, and how that interfaces That's with the HVAC industry. Thermal cork, like cork wine bottle. Thermal cork, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so thermal cork is a granulated cork mixed with an adhesive applied um, kind of like stucco with a, with a hopper. Uh, to the exterior of things. Uh, as an example, if you have an exterior ductwork, um, there's an incredible amount of heat and cold lost in the ductwork. 
if it's on the outside of the building, even with the insulation. Uh, this can be applied to the outside, and the the U value uh, or the thermal break is equivalent to what would be as much as R17 applied on the outside, preventing it before it ever gets in. And so um, it helps a lot with the efficiency of the AC system, uh, but also if applied to the, the walls or roof of the house has the same effect, adding the equivalent thermal break of R17. Um, it's also flexible, so it doesn't crack like stucco. If you're in a market with stucco, this can be a solution where you don't have the, the building settling and having it crack. And also, uh, the paint pigment is mixed in, so the, the color lasts much longer than paint applied to the outside. Um, if you're in a, in a uh, humid climate, it, it is uh, mold and mildew resistant. You can't grow mold and mildew on cork. That's why they use it uh, for wine bottles. And it's also for, you know, in your fire country, has a class B or A fire rating, depending on the, the mix of the solution for areas like uh, California, we're getting all those fires. So incredible application. Uh, the website's thermalcorksolutions.com. And um, there's, you can go through and watch different videos and everything. It's an incredible product. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. And, and so in, in terms of the HVAC industry, like, are you incorporating that into your presentations when you have somebody who's concerned about efficiency? If, if the application arises, so if we have rooftop ductwork, absolutely, we're talking about that, especially if they have a lot of it. Uh, and then also if they have, if they're looking at the solar, people don't want to have to keep redoing their, their roof or having to take panels off to redo their roof. So this is a solution that can make the roof last incredibly longer and they don't need to worry about that. So wow. it's, uh, we use it all the time. Yeah. That's, that sounds, uh, sounds incredible. The R17, I mean, I used to do residential design and R17 is, uh, in between what would normally be a two by four and a two by six wall. So that's, that's quite a bit. Yeah. Now, one of the, one of the interesting things about the, the R value is it was in, invented by the insulation companies. So it's based on thickness, which is why windows are rated in U value. So the a window, like a double pane good window would be an R4 because the, the R value is just the inverse of U. So one divided by U equals R and one divided by R equals U. But you can't say that something with one eighth of an inch is an R17. It has the equal thermal break of R17 with the U value rating that it has. Okay. Semantics, but it matters. Yeah, of course. Legally, at least. <laughs> of course. Well, Andrew, we're going to bring it in for a landing here. And I'm guessing some of our listeners have found this to be a challenging episode and encouraging, motivational, maybe a little bit of like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So as you kind of reflect back upon your career and you know the journey that you've taken to get to the place you're at now, starting from no knowledge and, and no experience now presenting, capturing quarter million dollar sales to homeowners and all those types of things. What can you look back upon and you can say this, this was the one or two things that made the difference for me in terms of succeeding, in terms of increasing my personal income, in terms of getting better? I would say constantly seeking growth. Um, you guys have a lot of windshield time. You should be listening to books based on what you need to, to do to grow. If you're a leader, be listening to leadership books. If it's sales or programming your mind, uh, you need to get audible and start listening to books using your windshield time instead of uh, music and grow yourself so that you're not in the same place in five or 10 years as you are now. 
Um, it is underestimated how much uh, a little bit of daily habit or effort will do for you uh, over over a window of time. Andrew, if we went to the Andrew Dobbins Audible account, what would be like the three most listened to books? Um, I would say Secrets of Closing the Sale by Zig Ziglar is a good one. Um, I don't have a most listened to. I'm going to give what the recommendations of what I think could be the most beneficial for uh, okay. for you guys listening. Um, exactly What to Say by Phil M. Jones. A very short listen. Um, phenomenal. 25 things that you can use. You really only need four to choose four or five of them, but exactly what to say. Um, secrets of closing the sale. And then I would, I would say you got to get psycho cybernetics to program your subconscious. Nice. Nice. Well, Andrew, uh, Andrew, we appreciated having you on the show today and we always like to give the opportunity for listeners to connect with you if possible. Uh, if somebody really had uh, some questions or has some thoughts about what you were talking about today, what would be, where would be the best place to find you or how can they get in touch with you? Sure. I'm, I mean, I'm on Facebook and, uh, and Instagram. Facebook's typically the, the best one for me. So Andrew Dobbins, um, you can look up intelligent design, air conditioning and heating on Facebook. You can, you can definitely find me that way as well. Awesome. Very good. Well, Andrew, it's been a privilege. Uh, I found your perspective to be, uh, Fantastic. And I think it's a challenge for all of us to really be diving into the question as to whether we are, we're inhibiting our own growth and the service of our clients through the lens of our own wallets. And you really did a great job of breaking that down for us today. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. It was great to talk to you again, Andrew, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Have a good one. <clears throat> Well, that's it for our show today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did in terms of uh, selling out of your own wallet. I think that's something that I personally struggle with. You know, I, I happen to have, uh, it might be surprising, but I happen to have a fairly analytical approach to things. And I know if I can't afford it, that would definitely be a hindrance for me in terms of telling it to somebody else. But I think Andrew brings up a great point. You know, if we constantly do that, we're going to prohibit our clients from getting what they potentially want in their own homes. And that is, that's not right. You know, that's not our call to make. Uh, we've covered that before. I'm sure we will cover it again. And so I, I loved his challenge in terms of studying, in terms of preparing yourself for the call, and in terms of believing that somebody, not you, somebody is willing to pay, to afford, to finance, to secure, to install, whatever it is that you have into their home because they want it. Not because you're forcing it, but because they want it. And the only way they're going to learn about it, the only way they're going to know is if you tell them. So that is the challenge for this week. I hope it was beneficial for you. And we hope to challenge you every week in terms of this, as well as other ideas that we'll be bringing. If you have suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. And if you have some time, give us a review, give us five stars, tell us what you think, give us some suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd appreciate you sharing the content around. That's it for this week. So we wish you well. And of course, we challenge you as we do every week to choose to wake up each morning and waste no day.